to Clearly KC, a podcast produced by the National Keratoconus Foundation, featuring information about life with keratoconus. I am your host, Dr. Melissa Barnett, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to our special guest today, who is an ambassador of NKCF, NASCAR driver Joey Gase. Gase from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, discovered his lifelong passion when he won the first of many go-kart races at age eight. By 18, Joey had been signed as a professional driver and was competing in the NASCAR Nationwide Series. Today, Joey is a driver and co-owner of Emerline Gase Motorsports and has competed in more than 350 NASCAR events. Aside from his busy racing schedule, Gase finds time to support numerous charities and nonprofit organizations. Welcome, Joey. Hello, thank you for having me on, guys. Thank you for being here. So you inherited poor vision from one of your parents and you had astigmatism growing up. When did you start wearing glasses and when did you get your first set of contact lenses? I think I started to wear glasses in third or fourth grade. So it was a pretty young age. And then I think I started to wear contacts in about seventh grade. And what sort of contacts did you wear in seventh grade? They're just uh, normal uh, soft lenses that uh, you would replace about every month or so. Okay. And did you have changes in your prescription or changes in your vision at that time? Yeah, probably. It seemed like every year uh, my eyes probably got worse and worse for a long time. And then they bounced out until uh, we found out we had care or I had keratoconus. And that's something that we see pretty often where there are lots of changes in prescriptions. So changes in glasses prescriptions and contact lens prescriptions. There can be an increase in astigmatism, even myopia, um, prior to the diagnosis of keratoconus. So in the last year or so, you realized your vision was getting worse. Tell us some of the symptoms that you were experiencing with your vision. Yeah, it was probably 20, 2020 or 21 is when I found out that, or when, like before, when I had my glasses or just normal contacts and before I had keratoconus, if I, my eyes were blurry or anything, I could just get, put the screen closer to my eyes or, you know, just switch from contacts, the glasses and would fix the problem. But when I was really having problems, um, especially more so reading um, when I was on the computer or my vision definitely was not right looking far away, but especially when it was something that was close, I really started to get frustrated and went to uh, the eye doctor, which luckily I had the same eye doctor for most of my life. And he knew my pattern and knew me pretty well. And he could tell I was getting really frustrated. You know, he kept, you know, a bunch of different prescriptions in front of me. And no matter what, I could not see clearly or where I wanted to be. So he didn't really say anything. He just said, here, come back with me. And he put me in front of a machine, which roughly mapped my eye. And from that, he could tell that uh, I had keratoconus. From there, he he didn't want to get me too worried or upset, especially with my profession. I I had to be able to see pretty clearly. But but the biggest problem was that my doctor was in Iowa, which I only went back a couple of times throughout the year. And I lived in Charlotte. So he was limited on being able to get me fitted in a correct lens. So we started with a, a lens that was hard in the middle, but soft on the outside, and then uh, slowly went to a full surreal lens. And um, he was able to get my vision um, pretty good with that, but the comfort level wasn't 
perfect and there's other problems that I would have on and off as well with that. But uh, it got me by and then when I went to my physical uh, this year, my vision was uh, 2040 with my eye that had Kiriconis and NASCAR. You can't be um, any worse than that. So then I started to get really worried and I actually reached out to to Mary um, and shared my story with her. And she had me go see some uh, really good specialists and uh, got me you know, all fixed up to see 2020 now. Oh, that's excellent. And now do you have lenses that are more comfortable as well? Yes. Yep. My lens now is, uh, they did a compression mold and is way more comfortable and uh, I can see uh, better at night now. And the biggest problem is when lights uh, come through uh, my lens, if it's the sun, if it's a glare or if it car lights or whatever it might be, and all that seems to be much better. And um, the ones I had before wasn't a mold fit and uh, the problem was there. Um, we didn't know this until actually I was going to see Dr. Scent, but that the, my contact was actually gouging into my eye and, and one portion of it. So when they actually did the compression the first time, they said, oh, there's still uh, a ring on your eye, even though I waited the 48 hours. So we did, I think, four days the next time. It was still actually there a little bit. So that's just how tightly my old ones was fitting. So now I no longer have that product, which is great. And my eye actually had to to heal from that a little bit. And that's pretty common, actually, with uh, prior to doing the iPrint Pro impression. We do need to wait typically about 72 hours prior to making it. But sometimes it does take the eye a little bit longer. And some eyes are more squishy than other eyes. So some eyes, it could be just a few hours and others, it can be a few days so back to your history, which is just fascinating. How did your vision affect your racing? Were you concerned about your vision when you were going through all these changes? I was concerned a little bit when I didn't know I had Kirikona. Really, my biggest problem was that my eye would just, my contacts would dry out at times, right? From, I guess, probably a lot of different sports or something else, but especially in racing. I mean, if you actually watch race car drivers, we don't blink very much because uh, we're just, we're focusing so much and you're going so fast. So that would uh, cause my contacts at times to uh, dry out. So I always had to remind myself to blink. But other than that, I was always pretty much taken care of and just with my, my soft lenses. But definitely when I found out I had keratoconus and I definitely got uh, more worried for sure. And that's actually the only, I guess I would say, good thing about the lens that we have now with the surreal lens is that you don't have to worry as much about your eye getting dried out or the contact falling out. It's actually such a cut to your eye. So I guess that is the, the one benefit uh, to that. <laughs> we like to say that it smoothly lands on the scleral conjunctiva, not necessarily suction cuff, but you are correct. But it's <laughs> <you> very <laughs> stable. So scleral lenses are very stable. So dust or dirt don't get under the lenses. And they're filled with a fluid reservoir, which actually bathes the eye. So it is a treatment for dry eye as well. So yeah. when you contacted Mary at NKCF, um, what sort of information did she tell you? Did she give you resources about keratoconus? She did. She sent me all kinds of information, which was which was great and very helpful. And I don't know if it's because I didn't want to see the horror story or, or what it was, but I never did a ton of research on it, even though I knew I, I had it. I would just go in over the, just listening to my doctor on the things that he thought I needed to know and stuff like that. But I definitely learned a lot. And 
the biggest thing that he told me and that I've been told ever since then is just stop rubbing your eyes and that you know, it's caused from allergies and people that rub their eyes a lot. And I definitely uh, fell in that category. That's really important to avoid eye rubbing in general. And I heard that you were recently named as an NKCF ambassador and have already had the chance to educate others about keratoconus. What are the, some of the key messages that you hope to share about keratoconus? Uh, first and foremost, stop rubbing your eyes. Yes. No, <laughs> uh, I experienced this a lot with my organ donation side of things um, from promoting organ donation. But now that we're getting the word out there that I personally had keratoconus or have it, it's pretty wild to, to see the people that you maybe always knew or fans or anything like that now actually reaching out to me saying that they have keratoconus themselves and all the different ways that they had to treat it. If you know, from getting a cornea transplant or getting a lens like me or, or even out to me wanting to know more about the lens and the doctors that I've seen and, and things like that, which is really cool to see that our partnership is working and just really cool to see that, you know, that we're actually hopefully uh, able to help people who have keratoconus and hopefully prevent people from getting keratoconus as well. We are most appreciative for your help in spreading the word because keratoconus is actually pretty prevalent and we really need to increase awareness. So thank you for all that you're doing and that all you will do in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I've read about your mother Mary's early and sudden death. I'm so sorry for your loss. And you have a passion for organ and tissue donation, and it's a cause that's extremely close to you. Please share with the listeners and all of us how you honor organ donors and recipients when you race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my mom, unfortunately, passed away in April of 2011 of center brand aneurysm. And when that happened, um, the doctors asked us, is she like to be an organ eye and tissue donor? And uh, at that time, it was something that we never really spoke about when she was only 44. So we never expected anything like that to, to happen. But the one thing my mom always wanted to be was a blood donor, but she was actually someone that was really short and really tiny. And she didn't weigh enough to donate blood, which was, uh, I guess, kind of funny, but we knew she, she was a very loving and caring person. And if she can no longer continue her life, she would want to do whatever she could to help others continue there. Ultimately, we said yes. And she's able to help save and improve the lives of 66 people through her organs, eyes, and, and tissues, which was uh, amazing to us. And later when we went home and found her driver's license, she was actually a registered donor on her driver's license. So knowing that we made the right decision for what she would have wanted was huge to us. And ever since then, I wanted to do what I could to help raise awareness for donation uh, for if anyone is ever in the same situation we were in, hopefully they would already have that talk with their loved ones to make that a little bit easier. Because there's cases where, you know, people, even if they have their loved ones driver's license and it says yes, that where people still try to say no because they feel like they're um, they're letting go of their loved one, which that's absolutely the worst thing I think that could happen is, first of all, not honoring your loved one's wishes, but then also not being able to save other people's lives because of that. Um, but and obviously the other reason just to try to get the wait list down to zero right now, there's about 120,000 people on the wait list for a life saving organ, which maybe doesn't sound that big of a list. Um, when you think of how many millions of people, um, live in the United States, but 
what people don't realize is that it's actually really hard to become a organ donor. It may sound funny, but the, the circumstances actually have to be perfect for that to, to happen. You know, you kind of already have to be almost in the hospital. Blood flow can only stop for so long and things like that. But um, that's why it's so important to me and that I just want to honor my mom's legacy and other donors out there as well. And that's one thing that, you know, that was also very uh, surprising or unique is that my mom, she was a cornea donor and hopefully we got it under control now. I'll never need a cornea transplant, um, but that's just another connection there as well to the keratoconus um, side of things. That's uh, incredibly inspirational and I actually personally have experienced, my husband suddenly passed away a year ago and oh, wow. he was a donor and, and I do have reports of all of his organs that were donated. I hope in the future, maybe you can help me with this, to have that process go a little bit smoother of when you receive the call yeah. for donation. It was out of the yeah. blue that he passed away, but that was pretty tough just the night of his death to be on the phone for hours. So yeah, it would just go absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely. Maybe that's something we can work on together is making it a little bit yes. less uh, time consuming for those that want to donate. Yes. Yeah. And I also have two boys who are 14 and 16. So on a personal note, wow. I want to ask you, what advice do you have for young people that suddenly lose a parent? For me and my sister, I believe she was 13 or 14 when my mom passed away. So she was in eighth grade. But for us, you know, it was <clears throat> making sure that we took care of each other, uh, for sure, your siblings, and also trying to do whatever would make your your parents proud in the way that they wanted to raise you. So I think that's something that my sister and I have definitely worked very hard at, and I think both have done a good job at. I think hopefully my our mom would be, be proud of us and just, um, like I said, being there for your siblings and just trying to live the way that your parents would want you to live, right? Like you, they still have you, obviously, and, and we still have our dad, but um, you're trying to uh, worry about them as well because it's not, not easy for anybody. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing. You're not just a driver in the NASCAR Infinity Series, but you're also a team owner. Please tell us about this combined role. Yeah, uh, we started our team uh, last year, and it was something that was always in the, the back of my, my mind to also be possibly a, a owner of my team. For, for multiple reasons, I thought maybe I could do some things better as an owner, and you have a little bit more control of your own um, destiny. But all the circumstances worked out the right way to that pushed me towards doing that. I was in a full-time driver in the cup series pretty much the two years before that. And they were coming up with a new car called the next gen car that they're currently using. Um, the downside of that was that it was a, a much more expensive car. And with that being said, the sponsors that I have had and still have um, couldn't afford to support me at that level anymore because of the cost of that car going up so high. Um, so that made me explore different options. And uh, one of those options were going back to Xfinity and owning my own team and, and still driving. And then uh, my co-owner of the team, Patrick Emerling, we met in a funny way, but we had the, the same ideas and he owned the equipment that I didn't own. And I owned the kind of most of the equipment that he didn't own. So it was a kind of a partnership that came together very quickly and uh, worked out very well. 
And uh, definitely it's a lot of hard work being a car owner or any business owner, but that's definitely something that uh, I'm glad I'm doing. Wow. That's incredibly inspirational. So I understand you have some twin sons and how old are they? Yep. We got identical twin boys and they are three and a half years old right now. So they are uh, wide open all the time, but uh, they're pretty good for the most part, but a lot of work, but a lot of fun for sure. Oh, definitely. So when are you going to get them racing? (laughs) I think I can hear them in the background right now. I think they're actually playing Mario Kart (laughs) on the Wii, but uh, they're definitely already uh, all about it and, and love racing video games and driving their little big wheels outside and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. We'll see. I started racing competitively when I was eight. So I'm going to try to hold off till then, but we'll see what happens. I'm hoping one's a driver and one's a crew chief. It'd be a little easier and a little more affordable that way, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) It sounds like it's going to be a bright future. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today? Uh, I don't think so. Just thank you for having me on and all the listeners, and uh, hopefully we can make a little bit of a difference. Thank you so much for joining us on the Clearly KC podcast. And please listen to the Clearly KC podcast on Podbean or your favorite podcast app to subscribe and get future episodes. For now, I am Dr. Melissa Barnett, and thank you so much, Joey. So appreciative of you being here today. Yes, thank you.